welcome to the Cup of Tea podcast. I'm Mike Ewan. And I'm Catherine Lilly. And we both work in the Teaching Excellence Academy at the University of Hull, where our roles are to develop, celebrate and promote HE level teaching. This podcast is designed to explore and share some of the fantastic teaching practices here at the university by showcasing work of some of our colleagues, what they do, how and why they do it, and what the impact has been. In this week's episode, we're joined by Emma Palmer, who reflects on her research around student belonging and community and how it informs the work she does in supporting students in her role as foundation year tutor. So without further ado, pour yourself a cup of tea and enjoy the show. Yes, so thank you very much, Emma, for coming along for a cup of tea with uh, Tim. Uh, and you're the very first person to have officially a cup of tea. Well, it's not a tea, is it? What, what, what drink a, have you got for It's a caramel latte. So is this, your, is this your go-to? It is, yeah. Okay. I, I love flavoured coffee. So right. I always prefer like a caramel shot or something in it. Just make it a bit of fun. Yeah. To make coffee not taste like coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone for a very boring, but very hot uh, Americana. Ooh. Yeah, do you want to introduce yourself, Emma? Anyway? Yeah, so I'm Emma Palmer. I'm a foundation e-chaser for um, Faculty of Arts, Culture and Education and Faculty of Business Law and Politics. So my role is um, to teach and support students on the foundation year um, at the University of Hull. Nice. I believe you're going to talk to us a bit about some of your research, your master's research, was it? Yeah, oh, yeah. so um, for my dissertation for my master's, I looked at how um, the transition into and throughout university, um, the student self-perspective of their identities, um, sense of belonging and community can have such an impact on a student while at university. Yeah. And it can feed into whether they engage in their studies or extracurricular stuff, um, whether they achieve um and success might vary depending on each student, depending on what their goal is. So it might be to get the top grades, but it might be actually I want the experience to go into this field. Okay. Um, but what found is if there's a bumpy transition, that can have a bit of a domino effect on students' identities, how they feel, like whether they belong at university and whether they've got a community to go to. So if that starts having a domino effect, they're more likely to leave university or have a bad experience at university where they don't feel that they can engage okay. with that. So, um, and there's a couple of like literature and theories about you know how all of these work, but looking at it from a collective, they actually all feed into each other. You can't separate one from the other because you might have a really good community, but then you also have a good sense of belonging as part of that community. Mm. You have a positive like self of identities and the transition would be quite smooth throughout that. Uh, okay. So do, do you think that came from your work with Foundation? Was that kind of what inspired you to look into this? Um, it, it started actually from prior to me working in Foundation uh, okay. Year. So before this role, I used to work in student services yeah. as a it's changed title so many times. <laughs> when I very first started, it was a student experience officer, yeah. and now it's student life officer. But you could see that if, say, a student came to you and they had a worry about one aspect, you could see that the other aspects were starting to get affected, and they were starting to feel really overwhelmed, kind of like, what am I doing here? Like, is this for me? And actually, like, a lot of it can be down to, well, how do we support you in, like, smooth 
like have a smoother transition or just communicating with them to go okay what is it you're worried about and, and taking into account their experiences rather than reading our own maps of the world going well we have to do this because yeah. sometimes it's it's not as straightforward mm-hmm. um and it might be down to the sort of situation the student's in it might relate to kind of their background or their confidence or anything like that and even looking at widening participation, which on foundation year, we have a large cohort of students from widening participation backgrounds. You're never going to have two students that have the same categories that are going to have the same experience. They will have very different ones based on their own uh, individual experiences. Right. So can you kind of, you mentioned there about theory and different identities. We don't want to get too heavy into <laughs> yeah. the theoretical bit. But just can you sort of talk through what some of the aspects or different identities might be that might impact on a student's success? Yeah. So um, Thomas and May, for example, they um, they look at it from kind of four-pronged typology. So they look at it from an educational approach. So what was their previous experience like at education? So whether that was college, maybe they've had a gap in their studies, kind of their learning approach how they undertake studies, do they prefer like working with others, do they prefer working on their own. Mm-hmm. But then they also look at things like dispositional and that might be about their self-esteem and their confidence. It might be how they identify as themselves. And it's it's not necessarily about labels, it's kind of like a lot of it does feed into their confidence and kind of resilience. Mm-hmm. And we do find certainly foundation new students when they start because they've not maybe had a straightforward transition. It's not as what we'd say is a traditional student, which even then that's now questionable. Well, yeah. What is a traditional student? We come from so many different backgrounds. But when they start, they go, is this for me? Have I done the right thing? Like, yeah. have I? And actually a lot of it is down to their resilience and their confidence. If you build on that, then they start becoming a little bit more confident and being it, and you see that in the work. Mm. They also look at circumstantial. So they look at age, disability. They look at whether students employed or volunteering. If they're a commuter student, what access do they have with time, with access to digital resources? What does their skills look like in terms of digital resources as well? And they also look at cultural, so their language, their values and beliefs, social background. But you can't necessarily go, right, so we tick all these boxes because everyone will go across all of those four-pronged typologies. And certainly foundation year students are starting to find themselves a little bit, and new uh, students certainly but I think that sense of identity can change over time at university so you might have a student who in their second year you know really struggled with written work and it actually turns out that they've been gone through a screener and find that they've got dyslexia and at that point that's a huge impact on their identity going well hang yeah, on okay. this this is a new perspective now I've got to do this and it, it could go either way for that student so it's about well how do we help with that transition of putting that support in place without the student feeling like, oh my God, what's going on? But also fostering that sense of belonging to go, you know, you're not the only student yeah. with this. And actually there's a lot of people that you don't realise who also have dyslexia, for example, but are able to still achieve those. It's not a barrier. It's, it's looking at different ways of approaching it. And even finding communities. So working with peers, I know there's a, a student, Nick Mins who he's been working with the learning support team, for example, like doing his own podcast and raising this sort of awareness as well and building a, a network of students for that as well. And that kind of shows that all of those kind of 
influencers can really help that student's identity, like regardless of which point they're at at a university. And so this has kind of come out of work that you were doing. It's obviously related to your work. Have you been able to sort of weave in your findings into how you work with students on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think a lot of it can be down to communication with the students. So it's not about me going, right, well, they're this and this and this. It's kind of listening to them, kind of reading their maps of the world and going, okay, so this is something that's worrying you. How can we resolve it? Or what what's the best approach for that as well? So from a day-to-day practice, it's something I'm really mindful of, whether that's creating resources, students like in any of the modules I teach on, and personal supervision as well, like building that relationship and ensuring that, you know, if there is some form of belonging, like you've got someone to listen to, and developing that community, especially within foundation year. But in terms of practicalities as well, like we've done the identities canvas site on the teaching essentials so looking at kind of well what does identities look like and what sort of practices might you want to consider for that as well mm-hmm. i've been working with Catherine hubbard and paul Gerfarp on the inclusive education framework mm-hmm. as well so like looking at you know what might that look like from a framework point of view and kind of how does belonging fit in with that with the students mm-hmm. but also i think it's it's about listening to the students as well so what do they want as a community because i can't go right i'm going to enforce something and hope for the best during lockdown the foundation students at the time were really worried that they were like quite isolated there isn't anywhere that we can really go to so we set up a discord channel for our foundation students in faith as much as education if you're not from university (laughs) (laughs) and it was it was a safe space for students just to ask questions talk to each other and it could be anything. It didn't have to be about university. It could be just, how's everyone doing today? Or actually, I'm really struggling with this. And like having that support, and that was becoming really organic with the students. And was the reason you chose Discord? Was that like a platform you thought they? Yeah, I did open it up with the students. And I think there was, there was a couple of factors to consider. So not all students have social media. Yeah. And not all students may want to share their personal profiles, like yeah. on Facebook, for example. Things like Teams, because we use it at university, it felt like you were just constantly switched on for university. You didn't really have anything that you can go around and switch Teams off mm-hmm. and have something else. Yeah. What I found with Discord is that it was kind of a neutral ground for kind of keeping that privacy for students if they wish to, but also not encroaching on the fact that, you know, they would use that for classes or anything. They could switch off from uni and go, I just want to talk about music and yeah, yeah, you know even things yeah, like from that they were creating playlists so we had like a, a face playlist of like oh, all the songs yeah, we have to share that i will yeah <laughs> and and afterwards when they were going on to uh, the next year i asked them they, you know what would be the highlight what and they said honestly discord was such a huge impact so without that i would have quit and it's it's that sort of thing that's really powerful and it's just a simple thing but it's listening to those students and going actually let's let's put that in place and I didn't have to maybe put a couple of shout outs on there a couple of announcements but most of the time they were solving issues between themselves before I could even get on to go oh powerful yeah Yeah, if you can foster that conversation and and as you say set it up and then let it let it breathe and let it happen yeah it's brilliant and we're still, we've now continued running that. So this year's cohort, they've used it. And last year's cohort still remain on there. And sometimes they chip uh, on to like, help them. Really? So if, 
if there's a module that perhaps last year's group did and this year we're going, oh gosh, I don't know what I'm doing with this, they can go, oh, we experience this, don't worry, it will be fine. And they have been fine with it. You can hear like an authentic response. It's not your tutor telling you it'll be fine, like you're hearing from a peer. Yeah, exactly. It really is that sense of community then, isn't it? That it's, it's peer-to-peer and yeah. mutual support, which is brilliant. Yeah. And did you, did you see it? You mentioned lockdown. Did you see a, a change or have you seen a change since in somebody's sense of belonging in community in terms of physical and non-physical? And um, have. So students from last year, because they found that community online and they, were, they felt safer, like even because they couldn't meet physically as much as they really wanted to. The amount of times they're like, really want to go to the pub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we can't. Not a lecture. Not, not a lecture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then seeing them on campus this time, they haven't got that same group anymore. And they're finding that they're finding their feet again. So it's starting mm. back, but at least they know someone. They've not come in completely blind. Whilst this year's students, because they've been so used to a physical space, they've kind of already established those pockets of where they feel like they belong. So like, for example, they may go to um, Sanctuary or, or Grey Mare. Mm-hmm. Um, students like pubs. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, have noticed a thing there. Um, but then even things like students forming kind of study groups and going off to the library yeah. on days off where like they wouldn't be on campus. And I think to this year's group, they've been quite lucky to have that. And I think last year's group, they're still finding their feet a little bit, but they're getting there. I think it's whether it's online or face to face. It depends how the stu- like how confident the student feels, and that's where it, again it kind of feeds into that identity of mm-hmm. actually what if I don't feel like I do belong there, what happens? And it's easing that worry for them to say, you know, there there is somewhere or someone that you will meet, and you know, even if it's just going for a coffee, or if you feel safer being online and speaking to someone and not feeling that you're being completely vulnerable that's also okay. So I think that was important why I kept Discord running this time, even though we could be on campus, because mm-hmm. they had the opportunity to go, actually, I'll, I'll only speak to people on there, but I might prefer being on my own. And that's okay. It's mm-hmm. it's what works for them. It's not enforcing them to be in a situation that they really don't want to be in. Yeah, really individualise them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think that there's a number of things the university can do centrally and, and, and to support students in the transition. But would you have any kind of top tips for an academic? They've got a new group of students coming into their module. And I suppose I'm thinking this as a module by module basis yeah. for what they can do in the early stages, or is it a module long thing to, to kind of build that community within a, within a module? I think having opportunities to have open conversations right. can be really powerful and finding out what is it the students expect. Because a lot of students come in with a range of different expectations. So it's important to kind of know what they are and have that honest conversation with them to go, might not be able to do that. However, we could look into this and still involve them in that conversation. So like the design, getting yeah. them as part of the design process. So I think that that plays such a huge role. And the students feel valued by that because, again, it's not, okay, so right, we're doing this and that's it. It's actually, we want your input in this. We want you to let us know what you want out of it and I think opportunities to build relationships I think sometimes like students are terrified of, yeah. of a member of staff and it doesn't matter who they are I've had students terrified of me and I can't say anything <laughs> to <again. laughs> like, I can't get angry the status of a, of a university yeah exactly I think for them they, they see it as this is absolutely terrifying but 
if you have those honest kind of opportunities to build that relationship up with them, they find that you are approachable and they can come to you about anything. And it's not a case of you see them as a student, you see them as Joe Bloggs, who's really interested in this, or you see him as David, who's really interested in this particular topic and is, is sharing that conversation with students and you're helping facilitate that in a safe environment as well. I think if I think, <clears throat> excuse me, things like postgraduate students and master students that are only here for a relatively short period of time, again, there's quite often concerns around community and getting to know each other and things like that, that it's kind of transferable there as well. And, and for the PhD student community as well, who are quite often quite isolated, quite disparate, yeah. working with a research team, but not getting to know each other. So I can see, yeah, for those kind of cohorts, it'd be really useful as well. Absolutely. I mean, as a personally, as a previous master's student, I didn't feel a sense of community. I think, I wouldn't say it because it was part-time, because there were still people that I knew that I would be on the same modules with. But then you didn't do anything afterwards. When you got into your dissertation stage, that was it, you're on your own um, with your supervisor and then going to lockdown as well. So you're like, right, I really have to do this on my own. And I think it, it can really affect someone that they might go, well, what's the point? I haven't got anyone that I can speak to. And that, now, as you say, can be really isolating. And there isn't a time to kind of reflect to others as well. And sometimes having that opportunity to reflect to their peers can mean so much to that student where they, they might have answered their own question just by talking it through with someone. Yeah, and they're not the only one that's facing that issue yeah. or concern. Yeah. yeah. Do you think there's interesting times ahead with the, the number of international students who the university are looking to recruit and, and potentially some of the challenges that may involve and, and, and the opportunities, I suppose, to build the communities and support communities which on a, on a scale which maybe we haven't done for quite a while? I think... In terms of that, this is where it's really important to get aspects like transition yeah. like really nailed down and so smooth that it doesn't become an issue. Yeah. And at the same time, if you help them foster that sense of belonging in that community, regardless of which level they're at, then they may feel that a little bit more confident in their studies. I think they just need I wouldn't say hand-holding as such, but an opportunity to kind of reassure them to go, yes, it's a, maybe a different experience that you're going to have here compared to where you've been previously, but you're still so valued and we want to make sure that it's as smooth as possible so you're not left on your own or you're questioning what this means, especially yeah. if like, we tend to use a lot of acronyms or different processes yeah. where they go, what? What's this? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's just making those communications really clear to them and, you know, supporting them with any worries they have or self-doubts that they have as well. Is it a bit of a thing of designing maybe perhaps your, your programme, your module to meet the inclusivity aspects to the nth degree, but then also to set the expectations of students to say, look, we're trying, we'll do, but yeah. you will hear things which you won't understand, but don't worry about that. We are open and we can come yeah. to us. Absolutely. You still need to have like kind of those expectations say this is what we will do. But then rather than kind of shutting off off and going, that's it, you know, it's more of but it's okay if you if you're not clear on it or you don't understand it and that's where a conversation or you know, working with peers and kind of getting to grasp what that actually means. Because it might mean one thing being said, but something completely different when it's actually put in practice. So it's it's about, as you say, designing it, but also setting those expectations in an open and kind of 
transparent. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's quite interesting because a lot of this is true for new staff as well, isn't it? Yeah, I remember when I first started working in the library, the first meeting I was in, and I was I was meant to keep notes, and I gave up after about five minutes because the <laughs> amount of acronyms and things getting thrown around, I was like, yeah, I'm out. I but nobody, I don't think anyone says, you know, you'll be fine, don't worry. It was just like, Absolutely. I think it's, I think this could be applied to anyone, whether it's staff or students or visitors or anything like that. But certainly I think for staff and students, if you have similar processes that are designed to be, you know, helping them long term, being inclusive, but also having those honest conversations, you're going to find that from a cultural point of view, everyone's going to be more happier and more likely to help each other to go, well, I've had a positive experience. I want to give that to someone else. And so when I was saying about domino effects of if, say, someone has a poor experience of transition, therefore, like, it hits the others, actually still have the same but a positive way for those going, well, I had a really good um, experience, like, transitioning to university, whether that was from working or studying. Um, You know, I feel confident in myself. I'm not, you know, doubting myself too much. And, you know, this is my belonging, this is my community. How can I help others? And that's something where you start being more motivated. And I think that, Mm. you know, shows a lot of organic, organic is the word? Authentic, you know, way of kind of building those opportunities. And I guess as well, as well as the students feeling more sense of community, more sense of belonging, for those staff that have got large cohorts where there's a concern of how am I going to get to know these students as individuals, how am I going to remember all their names even, all of this kind of thing, but generating that sense of community and that interaction and communication helps with that as well, I guess. It does, definitely. So um, for me, certainly last year, I had 140 students that I was personal supervisor of, and that's a lot. And we yeah. think, oh my God, how am I going to remember everyone's name? <laughs> but what I did was not only did I kind of form them into groups based on their subjects and I said look we're going to open up the tutorials this is when your group's going to come in you know this is my office come in and even if it was only one to five students I started building a rapport and then as I got to know them even if I didn't teach them modules but I would still reach out to them to go if you need anything I'm here or you know if you want to come in and have a chat or be involved in like big aspects so Foundation New Students did group challenge in Trinity 2 where they, in groups, created posters and we did a poster conference for them. And that was so fun for them. But it was a really good opportunity to kind of go around and go, I've not actually spoken to you face to face, but we have communicated by email. And now I can put a face to the name. Lovely to meet you. (laughs) You have that avatar on Discord. Yeah, that's lovely. I think how you can, as you, I think you said earlier, like providing the space for the open conversation, but just to, it all comes back to conversations, doesn't it? It just, does, just yeah. Building that, building that support. So even from, you just said there as well, is how you can scale these things, because I think a lot of the question comes back to, well, I've got you know 300 students, or I may have 20 students, but a lot of this comes down to providing space, doesn't it? And, space yeah. comes, and that could be for a group of 10 or a group of 500. It's just about giving them the space and the time that's it. Uh, to, to do that. Are you involved with any of the pre-arrival stuff from the university point of view? So we, um, certainly from induction, we create a bespoke foundation year one because our our foundation year is more centralised now rather than kind of rely on departments and then having a really different experience. For the last couple of years, we've been doing like a central foundation year induction programme where they do have something with the faculty, but it's only with those peers in that faculty and maybe with me so I'm involved in that and we're looking at kind of pre-arrival 
contact with them. So like sending out emails that go, hi, I'm your foundation, your yeah. tutor. This is what I do. And, you know, please do get in touch if you've got any questions or okay. worries or anything. We also have been involved in kind of, not that we stamped our foot, but, <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, in the My Journey modules that go out to students oh, yeah. over the summer, for those going on foundation year, we have a dedicated page on there oh, to say okay. we are the foundation year team. This is what we do. This is how you can contact us. That's um, so at least they can kind of put a face to the name before they come. Yeah, you know, they've got that support. That's it. Away. So they don't need to worry about who's teaching them on the modules, but knowing like, oh, this person's going to be my first point of contact when I get here. I feel okay. And it, it, it's really positive. We've had positive feedback in the past about it. So we were as much for parents. Because parents yeah. must look at these things as well. Like, yeah, to, they do. To some degree. Mm -hmm. We do. And so knowing that they're going to be looked after their kids absolutely but we, we do get more mature students coming through and yeah, i think for yeah. them it's reassuring for them to go oh, i've got someone i can go to and i do find that a lot of the younger students are quite independent like they still come mm. to me for worried but they're still finding their feet so they're like right i've got the world i'm gonna run at it i'm gonna <laughs> you know i've got all this lots of mature students because they've taken a different direction in their life they're then going have i done the right thing what do i do and then they come to you for that reassurance to go what have I missed? What have I done? Yeah. What's this? What, what are we talking about referencing? Yeah. And it's like, it's okay, we're going to go through it. It's yeah. <laughs> um, I suppose they get so much information thrown at them in those first few weeks and even before they join, so having that one point, focal point of contact that yeah. you just come to make for everything. That's it. And one thing we did find, hopefully, it didn't happen again this year, but in the last Certainly last year, and it did happen the year before, we had students who started late, so maybe they missed induction. Oh, okay. And we have found that if they miss induction, they start late midway through, not midway through the programme, but certainly in those crucial few weeks, they're more likely to end up having resets or because they then go, I've just been thrown in the deep end, feel overwhelmed, I'm catching up, and maybe haven't found those people yet. Or if I have, they seem like they're getting on with things and I'm going, what's going on? Yeah. And that can have a really detrimental impact on the student later on, even if it's like been resolved. They still have that feeling of I'm still playing catch up. And that was one of the things that when speaking to students who've experienced that, they've gone, I feel like I'm just catching up. Yeah. And yeah. like I'm chasing my tail. I don't know, you know, like should I have been made aware of this at the beginning? And sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it's like we didn't go through that at the beginning. Yeah. But they're so worried. Like yeah. So hopefully we've said, you know, there should be a bit of an earlier cut, certainly foundation year, because our first module is only five weeks. Oh, okay. So we don't want them getting to week four and going, oh, I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> deadline, what? What? Is that, what deadline? <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're putting in support for them as well. And if they do start like, oh, they missed that first induction week. Yeah. Certainly opportunities, again, providing that space, opportunity to come speak to us and go, we will catch you up, we will even help you. you. Even if you knew you were presented, like yourself was presented with a list of these are people who have just started. Yeah, It's kind of reactive at the moment, isn't it? You're waiting for them to come to you. Yeah. They arrive, they're anxious, they're potentially less likely to ask a question because they feel a bit daft and they feel... That's it, and it's, it's going back to that status of, oh, well, she's, she's an yeah, academic. Yeah. Like, she's far too busy and important. To talk to that's me. it, and yeah. also she'll think that I should know this, so yeah. maybe I should just try and find the answers, but then they get themselves so worked up. It's like, no, just ask the help, it's okay. I've, I must admit, I've seen it. So my wife started a an online master's this year has been to university in the past you know and has obviously had a break but has come back I look she came up to me and said uh, oh no, I've, got, I've got to find this thing it's called a reading list and it's in something called canvas so I was like well <laughs> it's not actually with this university but I was like yeah okay I can help you but but they also call it by a different name so yeah. some people are calling it canvas some people are calling it this thing 
And then I said, and then she said, I'm not sure if I'm doing the assessment right. I said, well, why don't you speak to your tutor? Yeah. Can I do that? Yeah, yeah of course you can. Yeah. And it was like it, the amount of kind of confirmation and just reassurance that she's required. Yeah, it's that reassurance and that review. It's that word a few times. It's, it's reassurance. It's just yeah. on my own right track. Yeah, yeah that's it. it. What we have started doing with Foundation New Students, we're running it, we ran it this year as like a pilot scheme, but we've been working with a company called Grit. Oh, okay. um, so they've been doing, yeah, I'd say coaching sessions, but building on resilience and, you know, why is it you've come to university, you know, and kind of looking at that sense of belonging in that community. So they've been doing, it's externally been working with them. And we opened it up to all foundation new students and we had like a handful come through, do it, and they found it really beneficial. And what we're now doing for this academic year is we're embedding it within our first module. So in week two, they will have a one-day session Mm -hmm. with a coach to kind of look at the resilience and kind of going, you know, what support, what does support look like for you? And how can you, you know, if you're worried about something, where would you go? And and this is where students are helping each other as well as kind of getting those answers as well. But from someone that isn't me, perhaps. And I think when students realise that, going, oh, actually, I can go to Emma, yeah. you know, and someone else has confirmed that, yeah. or actually, I can go to my peers and they can help, you know, if I'm worried about something. Mm. So with it being part of the module, that should be really exciting to see how that works and how that might have an impact long term, because it's that beginning That's of the it. year. You can see them, that really setting them up Yeah. for the whole four years. Then. That's it, yeah. yeah. Whilst... When we first did it, it was around January time. So by then, they've already like, been here for a whole trimester and they might be still, mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what's going on. Like, or some might have already found that and then gone, oh, this is quite a nice refresher. Whilst if we do it at the very beginning of them being here, then they're more likely to go, oh, well, actually, I remember that session and maybe I should go and speak to this person or maybe I need to think about it from this approach. You know, what what is my expectations? Yeah. Is there... Any challenges or dangers, I suppose, in that peer-to-peer conversation and not not relying on it, but really fostering it in terms of, so again, not to use the same reference, but I've seen my wife coming to me saying, oh, I've been on the WhatsApp for our programme mm-hmm. and they're doing so much more than me for this portfolio. Yeah. And I've said, oh, are you doing what the brief asked? Yes, well, that's fine. Like, don't yeah. worry about like, what else you're doing. But like, is that, is that a real thing? Uh, it can be, to be honest. I, I have experienced it when things have gone wrong on private chats yeah. where students have they've clashed because they've just misread maybe something and then they've gotten themselves in such a bit of a tiff yeah. and they've gone, well, that's not what I meant. And then it just it explodes. So like, and partly that's why we have Discord as well to go, if you ask those questions, I can then yes. intervene and go, I think what you mean by, and no dramas or anything. But I think the example you're given, I do see that a lot where students go, well, so-and-so is doing this, and should I be doing it? And it's it, you have to kind of remind great everyone will take things from different approaches, and that's okay as long as they're meeting the brief. Yeah. So it's peer-to-peer support's really important, but I think there's also an aspect where you have to be mindful to not compare yourself yeah. to others. Like, you're not here to do this brief for them. You're here to do the degree for you. Yeah. So what what is it you want to get out of it? You might have maybe a strength, but maybe they don't. Is that a bad thing? Well, no, you'll find that in the workplace. So I think it's it's kind of reframing that kind of perspective to go the support's there with your peers, but also remember that it's what you want to do as well. They can help with like things like referencing and things like that, and that's really useful. But I think in terms of the end goal, it's kind of going, what's your goal compared to theirs? And actually maybe focusing on what you want to achieve. 
That's very nice, right? So where, if people want to find out more about the work that you've done, you mentioned the Teaching Essentials page. Um, anywhere else that we can find out? Uh, not at the moment. <laughs> I am. I am working. Good on... publishing this master's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I am. Uh, I'm in the process of writing a book chapter for publication. It's all yet to be confirmed with funding, but been put forward to do that. So hope, and that's looking at pre-arrival and kind of well, how can we start looking at these aspects from a pre-arrival point of view going into university. Okay. So hopefully that should be published <laughs> within the next maybe six months or so. Okay. so. Uh, pace of getting these podcasts out may just meet the time <laughs> in which your books uh, published. So and we can link to work on the inclusive education framework as well. Yeah, yes, definitely. absolutely. And yeah, as you said, the teaching essential page. I'm looking at doing a sensible on this one as well. So. Uh, great. Yes. No, you've, tied, you've, you've recorded that. So I have, yeah, that's it. That. <laughs> well, thank you very much for coming along. That was, that was really fascinating and, yeah. and it sounds like such viable work and yeah thank you for sharing it with us and i'm sure it'll be useful to the wider learning community thank you and thank you for the coffee as well yeah thank you very much <laughs> <laughs>